Well, tonight we wrap up our series of five weeks, Christmas, What You Thought You Knew. Meet Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And this morning we looked at the wise men. And you'd notice that our nativity scene over to my left, there are no wise men. What is going on? I ruined a lot of people's nativity scenes. I've done it at home. That if you go back to the original story from the Bible, you'll find that the wise men didn't show up for at least six to seven months after Jesus was born. And you'll even find that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were all living in a house. So there's some things we know, and there's some things we don't know. So all through this series, we've been revisiting the stories, re-reminding ourselves about things that happened and things that maybe didn't happen, and we've been trying to just uh, nail those things down. A lot of the information we get regarding the original Christmas story comes from a lot of movies, a lot of uh, Christmas carols, and some of that is just uh, not totally accurate. They're nice to sing. They reflect our hearts. Like even tonight, I hate to say this, but when we sing Silent Night, Holy Night, it wasn't very silent in that stable when Jesus was born. And those animals were not very quiet. And I'm sure those animals bothered Jesus a little bit, so he might have cried a little bit. So we just have to understand that and really see all that the Christmas story has for us. But when you and I do grapple with the Christmas story, when we start to dive into it, when we start to understand it, we see that the message of Jesus, the good news, some refer as the gospel, can change our lives from the inside out. And uh, if that's not true, a lot of us are here just for a sentimental evening. But if that is true, we celebrate just a significant, the most significant event ever in history. So when you think of some of the stories out there and you think of Christmas movies, what are some of your favorite Christmas movies? Now, this is very dangerous for me to say this, but so, so just slowly, not all at once, but some people just yell some of your favorite Christmas stories out there. Die Hard, Die hard yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. I also saw that the first Rambo was a Christmas movie, too. I don't know if you saw that because there's two Christmas trees in the background when Rambo's getting arrested. But anyway, all right, so we've got that. We got that one out of the way. What other Christmas stories are out there? Harry Potter. (laughs) It's a wonderful life. Oh, very good. Seneca Falls people are very happy about that. Helps with the economy up there when they have that race. What else? Miracle on 34th. Elf. I love that snowball fight. Yes. What else? Polar Express. Home Alone. Yes. Some of us wish we were home alone, don't we? (laughs) Some of you stayed home online and sent your family here. Okay. Uh, What else? Any others? The Grinch. Yes, I love the Grinch. I can identify with him. I like him a lot. Charlie Brown. What? What back there? Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, a little scary there. All right. Good. Uh, Then you've also got a Christmas story, right? 
Don't shoot your eye out with a BB gun, you know that story? Well, it's interesting, they've done surveys and all these surveys are kind of, you know, slanted a little bit away, but right now they say a Christmas story with you shoot your eye out, BB gun and all that, and It's a Wonderful Life are kind of at the top. Now, I might think Elf might be moving its way up there, but uh, what's interesting about the Christmas story, and I love it, is there's really not one mention of Jesus' birth. There's not really any symbolism. There's not really anything there. And then you have It's a Wonderful Life, a little bit older, but it drips with the Christmas story. So it's kind of interesting how we can get our information from all these places. But the best place to get our information, our best place to get our understanding is back at the original Christmas story. So in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to jump ahead, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what, he is, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And we've talked about this before, that the name Jesus really is Joshua. And so when you see Joshua in the Older Testament, Moses' right-hand man, the person that leads him into the promised land, he is actually, his name is Jesus, meaning God saves. So Jesus, God saves, is this name of our Messiah. Now, as we think about this, there are three questions that uh, just really kind of press on us at times when we're thinking about Christmas, when we're thinking about faith, when we're thinking about all that this means. And we're not going to be able to totally unpack them, but if you are interested, each of these questions can be unpacked and can have traction in your life. So if you're a person that hears these questions and goes, yeah, that's right, there are solid answers, and we're going to just go along the surface of them. And if you're serious, you can find out the answers to this and have traction to these. Uh, the first one in your message guide is, how can we believe that there is a God when there seems like it is such a chaotic mess, the world? Where is God when something unspeakable happens? And all of us just need to watch five minutes of the news and we say, where is God? Why would God allow these things to happen? How can that 
see? And that's a tough question. It's not an emotionally satisfying question. We touched a little bit on it this morning when we said God has given each one of us a free will. So you can make decisions that affect your life, but also the life around you, the lives around you. And if you did not have free will, and there was no free will, that would shut everything down. And we can't have it both ways. Either we're going to have free will, or we're not going to have free will. And with free will comes responsibility, but with free will there also are times where you and I make decisions that have problems in our own life, and then there are those that make decisions that have problems sometimes worldwide. And we see that unfolding in Europe. We see that unfolding in the Middle East. And we see that unfolding in places that we're not even told it's unfolding because that's the world we live in. Free will is there for us. But there's also the free will to turn and look to Jesus. There's the free will to lean in or pull back. So even in a moment like this, when I'm talking about this, your posture inside your heart is either going, ooh, yes, I agree with what he's saying. That question can't be answered. I'm done with even thinking about God. Then there are those of us who lean in and those of us who are trying to lean in and would like to believe that there was a God, a loving God, that, that this isn't just a nice sentimental story, that it actually is real and that a faith for a child can transition into a faith for an adult. And I think, I think if you took the time, you would find some credible adults that have placed their trust in this idea of saying yes to Christ and you've actually seen a change in their life. You see they're not perfect, but they do try to follow Christ and it is making a difference. It's real in their life and it's just not a, it's not a, it's just working for you. I have a friend that doesn't believe in these things and when I talk about it with him, he said to me, Dave, I'm happy that that's a system that works for you, but it's gotta be more than that. It can't be just a system. It can't just be a way of ordering life that really has no lasting implications. It's just a, a way of being kind and nice. Now, when I say this, God, Jesus himself, all understands about the mess in the world. There's a verse, and we could look at lots of verses. It talks about, out of Egypt, I will call my son. And this has a historical uh, memory of all the way back when Israel was captive as slaves in Egypt. And Moses came and through miracles and through God working, eventually sets his people free. And then you see in Jesus' own life, Jesus gives his life for us. That part of the story isn't as sweet as this part of the story, but he gives his life. So God totally understands the impact of people having free will. But he didn't want to create robots, so he wants to give us the opportunity to choose to follow him. And anytime you have those impressions on your heart, I believe it's God working in your heart. And again, in a room like this, a great number of these folks have said yes this is real, and I'm going to follow this. So, 
When it comes to all the terrible things happening in this world, it's a broken world, it's a hurting world, but God has given us free will, and someday he will come and set things right. A lot of us are like, come set things right tomorrow, but the longer he waits, the longer he waits, the more opportunity there are for others to eventually say yes to Christ. Now, another question that goes along with this Christmas story, if Christianity is true, why don't all the smart people in the world automatically agree about it, and why does my college professor ridicule it? Why is that the case? Why don't we see all the smart people that we think saying just rushing to it? Now, there, there are some smart people. We could look at scientists that, that are very uh, smart. We could look at people from, uh, you know, in the past that uh, just, uh, just were extremely pioneering scientists and st students of nature and all of that that were Christ followers. But what do we do about that? Why does uh, my professor say Bethlehem didn't really happen? The sad story is when Herod comes in and, and kills all the little boys two years and younger. Why isn't that recorded in history? But if you look at the life of Herod, you'll see that there are all kinds of horrendous things he did. We talked about that this morning. And, and this thing in Bethlehem with these young boys wasn't bad enough to make it on the list because he was doing much worse things. We read in 1 Corinthians this, the message that points to Christ on the cross seems like sheer silliness to those hell-bent on destruction. But those on the way of salvation, experiencing Christ, saying yes to it, it makes perfect sense. This is the way God works and, the most, and most powerfully, as it turns out, which is interesting, in the whole story, you have wise men and you have shepherds, almost from this whole spectrum, everybody else is in between, and yet you have a, a wide spectrum here. And so you see these folks all placing their trust. We can go, we talk about this at Easter time, uh, we talk about people laying down their lives for the faith. People don't do that unless they believe in it. In the original, 12, 11 of them, maybe 10 because John probably died of old age, but 10 of them laid down their life after being with Jesus. And those folks for sure would not die for something they didn't think was true. So this idea, again, of who places their trust in Christ, there are thoughts and traction and answer if you really want to find it. Just like on anything on the internet, you can find things that, that make you feel good about your position. But if you try to come with an open mind, you will see that there's enough wiggle room, there's enough openness, there's enough possibilities that there is a God and it's a, he's a personal God and he wants to have a relationship with you. So I encourage you to, to think about that. Now, what about all the people in the world who are not Christians? How does God feel about them? That, that's stark for us. What, what happens with that? Uh, you know, what about the person way around the world? What about the person who has another faith system and they're holding on to that and they're sincere in that? All of us have discovered moments in life where we sincerely believe in something 
And just because we sincerely believe in something doesn't make it a thing of substance. You, 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 uh, you know, I sincerely believe this church would, uh, this chair would hold me. I don't know if you noticed when I went to go get it, I wiggled it a little bit because some of them are getting loose. And I'm probably putting a lot of stress on this little bench right now. So it's going, help, help. So I just wanted to make sure. But just because I believe it's going to hold me doesn't necessarily mean it's going to hold you. So when you start to think about these systems, you need to understand that. But it's interesting, Matthew, first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, the Good News. They document Christ, uh, you know, birth, Christ on the planet, all these kinds of things. Some people would say, wow, they all have, they're all different. Well, they're all written different perspectives. If uh, you and I went to, um, let's say Cindy and I went to the mall up at Eastview, I would come home talking about what? Starbucks and Apple computers. She would come home talking about something totally different. I would never mention what she was talking about. She would never mention what I was talking about. And you'd think it was two different events, but it's the same event, different perspectives. But it's interesting, Matthew, written to Jewish people, starts off with the story of the wise men, not Jewish people, coming from Persia, had some influence probably by Daniel and those to know the stories, to see the star and to travel those 800 plus miles. But, but those weren't Jewish people. And then it's interesting that it ends with this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you always. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, to Jewish people, but it's bookend by speaking to the world in general. And that's one reason we as a church send difference makers all the way around the world to touch lives, to give people the opportunity to say yes or to say no. That is our choice. Verse was read this morning, or this actually this evening, different translation. Speaking of Jesus, the word became flesh and blood. That's Jesus and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory. We recognize God in all of this with our own eyes. This is John writing the one of a kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out. So as we continue to move through this Christmas season, as we continue to think about this story, is it just sentimental niceness or is it life-changing truth? We need to realize that God keeps his promise all the way from the Old Testament. Even when there was Adam and Eve, there's mention of Jesus, a deliverer. God keeps his promise even when it seems like his promises are absolutely impossible to keep. He shows up. And so our bottom line is this. The story of Christmas is a reminder that your hope in God is not misplaced. And as I say that, some are saying, I'm not convinced with 15 minutes on a Sunday night. And I don't expect you to be con convinced. But I do expect if you give it a fair shake to dive in and to think about the truth of the good news and wonder why a group of people in Seneca and in Romulus 
could be touched by something that happened all the way over in the Middle East thousands of years ago, and it still has some kind of effect. Yes, there's some negative effects out there, but again, if you looked at all the stat statistics, you would see more positive has come from Christ than negative. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we can be here tonight. We thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you that it's more than a story, but it can become our reality. It can change us from the inside out. Father, I ask that uh, you would have that little spark in all of our hearts. Ask the question, could this be real? Is there a possibility that there is a God and that this God is personal? And for those of us who are convinced, may we live a life that reflects that. A lot of times we're not good at that. A lot of times some of the people in this room that are very skeptical have experienced Christ followers not following Christ, not living at your best. So, Lord, work there. And then for those of us who have, help us to do a good job. Lord, we just thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.